0: Today on Government Matters, a rocky week for small businesses that want to sell to the federal government. The leader of the General Services Administration tells you what's coming next. More agencies go back to the office and think about the next normal. GSA Administrator Emily Murphy on what agencies and workers should expect. And the digital future of small businesses in government. Our Federal Beat virtual roundtable on what contractors and agencies should watch for. Government Matters starts right now.
1: From Washington, D.C. and around
0: the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching the weekend edition of Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. The General Services Administration is canceling its Alliant 2 small business government-wide acquisition contract. GSA says it's building a, quote, new and enhanced small business GWAC program. Emily Murphy's administrator at GSA. Emily, welcome. Thanks for coming back on the program. What's that new and enhanced GWAC landscape look like for small businesses in your view? What's this look like six months from now or a year from now, Emily?
2: So first thing, thank you so much for having me, Francis. GSA has been reevaluating how our family of GWACs works, and we want to make sure that the GWACs we're putting forward meet our customer agencies' needs and embrace all types of small businesses and give them a path to grow. So in February of this year, I met with representatives from a number of small business trade associations and discussed with them what makes for a successful small business GWAC. We'd realized from the Alliant two protests that we're not really having success with that vehicle, but half the companies on it were no longer eligible. And the requirements were no longer meeting the customer's needs, nor were they really useful for the businesses or the agencies using them. We knew we had SARS-3 coming, with a, which is a great opportunity for small businesses with a $50 billion ceiling. But we're hoping to have some industry days in the near future talk about creating a new GWAC that really embraces innovation and small businesses with on-ramps and off-ramps that embraces new technologies and new services, meets the needs of our customers, includes all the different varieties of socioeconomic categories, so it meets the needs of small businesses and grows our industrial base.
0: So one of the issues that you mentioned there is something that I'm starting to hear from companies across the spectrum, Emily, and that's the reference to a family of GWACs. You're having a tremendous amount of success consolidating the schedules, making that much simpler for companies to navigate. Is there an opportunity here to do the same thing with this family of GWACs to really streamline it, to to make it more lean and make it easier for companies to navigate that too?
2: That's a great question because when we looked at consolidating schedules, the goal was to make it easier for customers and easier for vendors to order or offer a complete solution. With our GWACs, we're already offering a complete solution. So it doesn't really make it easier for us to consolidate them. But we do want to be thoughtful about what we have in that family of GWACs. Right now, we've got Alliant2, uh, the Vets2 GWAC, and the Stars2 GWAC. And Stars2 has been incredibly successful. It's it's broken its ceiling three times now. Uh, So it's now at 22 billion, looking at $22 billion ceiling. When we were looking at the Alliant2 small business, and that's really the, the hole in that family, we wanted to replace it with something that was a more mature version of those requirements, but also something that reached out and, for example, embraces women-owned small businesses and hubs-owned businesses, as well as our 8A and businesses, because right now those are sort of missing from that group. But we don't think we need to have four different GWACs to do that.
0: So should I look for an Alliant 3 or an Alliant 2.1 or something oh, okay. else to replace this or what's coming?
2: Something else is going is coming to replace it. I don't know that we've come up with a name yet, and I have learned that I'm probably not the one who should come up with names for GX, but uh, that my skills may lay, lie elsewhere. Uh, but we're coming we are coming up with something new that I, I think is going to be good because it'll it also creates that path so that we don't have small businesses sort of coming to a cliff and then dropping off.
0: So that comment indicates to me that you created, at least secretly, some really terrible name for a GWAC that you don't want to say on television. And I'm not going to press you for that, Emily. No, we haven't. Oh, okay.
2: But, I, but I've spent enough years on the Hill to know about uh, retronyms, where you create the acronym and then come up with what it, it's supposed to stand for, for you know, afterwards. Yes. I don't want to do that.
0: All right, fair. Um, what else should people look for in this? What When you're going out and talking to these groups, as you talked about earlier, what are they telling you you should be doing to make it simpler for them to use that we should expect to see reflected in whatever comes next?
2: So one of the issues is making sure we have enough companies on the, the GWAC. Uh, we've really heard a lot from both the zone and the women-owned small business communities. They feel that the fact that there aren't GWACs, that they're eligible where, they, where agencies can reach in and try and use a GWAC to meet those goals is their real hole in our portfolio. And if you look, those are two of the goals the government as a whole has a challenge meeting. Um, you know, so looking at those, but then also making sure that if someone then graduates from an 8A program or from, um, you know, from a hubzone program, that they're not then just set adrift. That we have an ability to move them through. And if you look at, for example, our alliant 2Gwac, a lot of the original 8A stars companies are now successful participants in the alliant 2Gwac, and so we want to make sure we've got that path laid out so that successful businesses continue to be successful partners to to gsa and our customer agencies
0: is there a number that makes sense or is will you just know it when you see it you had 81 on alliant 2 originally then in the redo you had 100 you were going to expand to 120 in the redo or does the number even matter is it just whatever conditions dictate based on the response that you get
2: so I think that's one of the reasons we want to have these industry days and we're planning to do some in the near future um you know socially distanced industry days of that but we want to make sure that we're talking to businesses and to our customers on the right number I mean I'd point out stars 2 has 787 businesses on it so there is you know, the right number is some probably somewhere in between those do you
0: have a timeline in mind yet Emily
2: uh I know that our goal is to have the, the interview days in the next few months trying to, again, try to do it safely and recognizing that in August people tend to go on vacation. I'd love to have a GWAC, you know, an, uh, I'd love to have a draft RFP out um, by the by the end of the year. All uh, right. You no, know, I can't promise that's going to happen, but I'd rather we get it right than we get it on on a schedule that I'm coming up with now, but the yeah, you- I do want us to be moving forward. You've
0: referenced socially distancing a number of times during this conversation, and that portends people coming back to the office and being in gatherings. We're going to take a look in just a moment at what you're doing and what other organizations are doing across government to start to come back to work. Straight ahead on Government Matters, a look at GSA's role when my conversation with Emily Murphy continues. You're watching ABC 7. Welcome back. The General Services Administration has new cleaning standards for agency offices during the coronavirus, and it's working on its own reopening strategy, too. I'm back with Emily Murphy, administrator of the General Services Administration. Emily, I want to talk about what you're doing to get your agency back up and running in office in just a moment. But speaking of back in office, you're bringing somebody back in office who just left not too long ago. Tell me what's going on there.
2: So as you know, Anil Cherry is leaving uh, TTS, and the good news we've got is that Bob DeLuca, who came in and helped us start the COE program at GSA, has agreed to come back on a detail uh, until we can fill the job permanently. He's going to come back as the acting uh, TTS uh, director and the deputy FAS commissioner.
0: It feels like Bob left about 15 minutes ago. It's actually been, what, three weeks or so that he has departed the General Services Administration. Where did he go and how'd you manage to talk him into coming back so quickly?
2: So he went to FDIC to be their deputy CIO and he just started last week. So he's I think had a full week on the job there. Uh, Bob is incredibly mission focused. And so this, I will, it was not his idea to do this, but when we called him up and asked him and we called up and asked FDIC, they recognize the importance that this, you know, that having a strong leader in TTS has for, you know, helping with IT modernization, AI, and frankly, helping with COVID response across the government.
0: Is Bob in that position permanently or is he holding that position down for you until you find a candidate and then he will go back to FDIC, Emily?
2: He is going to uh, be in, on a detail end of that position until we find a permanent director. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that there wasn't a leadership vacuum in TTS in the interim, uh, and I think that working with Harry Lee and Dominic Sale, he's going to be a great leadership team in TTS on right on course.
0: So you are starting to bring not just Bob DeLuca back to the office, but other employees both in D.C. and across the country back to the office uh, as a result of the pandemic response. What are you doing internally and how are you working with other agencies in the buildings that you manage and, and lease for them to get folks to get agencies back up to speed?
2: So as agencies return to facilities, GSA has always prioritized making our customer agencies successful, providing them with the resources they need. Uh, We actually waited to go to phase one in NCR and Central Office until uh, this July 21st. So on Tuesday, we'll be coming back into the office. But we've been working instead to make sure that the agencies, that their leases are modified, or their operating agreements are modified, that they've got the right cleaning solutions, uh, that they're getting things like hand sanitizer, or we've, we've identified people who make partitions that you can go in and quickly modify space with. But we're also having conversations with agencies about how they can look at their space going forward. For those agencies where telework has been a good fit, we're actually working with them on whether or not, uh, looking forward, they want to readjust their footprint and how we, can, you know, how they want to balance out the use of of space and the use of technology.
0: That's where the thing that I'm most interested in out of all of this stuff that's happened as a result of the pandemic, Emily, is what does the federal footprint look like two years from now, five years from now? There's all kinds of possibilities people are talking about. The possibility that I might be eligible to retire and I've discovered I really like being at home. So either I'm going to ask to telework for the rest of my tenure in government, or I'm just going to retire tomorrow. There's all kinds of possibilities out there, how are you managing, how are you thinking about what could happen in the next six months, year, two years to develop a strategy when things are as fluid as they are right now?
2: So first looking internally, and telework at GSA has always been function and mission specific. So it's a question of where does telework work well? Telework doesn't work well if you're doing classified work it doesn't work well when you're doing customer-facing work or public-facing work, but it works well on a lot of our activities. And we've we've been at about 95 to 96% of our employees teleworking, and we haven't missed a beat in getting the work done. So within GSA, we're looking at this as an opportunity to look at phase three to expand telework uh, and make it more available for employees. Now, the each agency is going to have a different answer to what that right balance is. And so we're also there to help them figure out their space and how they're going to balance it out. Again, within GSA, we've been meeting with uh, with private sector groups, we met with GAO. We asked how they balance out telework and how they're managing it and trying to make sure you keep the culture and you know what the best practices are. But in any case, it's going to be a very specific agency by agency decision. And they've got to decide what's best for them. But But GSA is there to help them understand what the possibilities are and then help make sure we've the space and the technology that enables the
0: vision that they've got for their future. And you kind of answered there where I wanted to go next, which is what's GSA's role potentially as just a broker in thought leadership about what that looks like. Patent and Trademark Office has had a lot of success with uh, remote work environments over the years, and it strikes me that there's a sweet spot there for GSA to be able to go out, know all this stuff, and be able to help an agency answer their questions in one spot.
2: And we have a, a total workplace solutions group that actually really is partnering with. And um, that's within the public building service. We also then have our integrated workforce acquisition center within the Federal Acquisition Service. And we've been bringing the two of them together to find, you know, be able to offer a wide range of solutions to our customer agency.
0: Emily Murphy, thanks for the great conversation this morning. I appreciate your time.
2: It's always great being with you, Francis.
0: Up next, more on the contracting landscape and what's next for small businesses. Straight ahead on Government Matters, the Federal Beat will tell you what to watch. You're watching ABC7. Welcome back. As you just heard Emily Murphy discuss, the General Services Administration's canceling the Alliant 2 small business IT contract after it spent almost four years of work on it. Here with a look at what is happening next in the government-wide acquisition contract situation in government, Jason Miller, executive editor at Federal News Network, and Aaron Boyd, senior editor at NextGov. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Jason, you first. What's your takeaway from what Emily talked about about her vision for the future of the GWAC landscape?
3: What stood out to me was the recognition of the missing pieces to the broader discussion around the GWACs, the hub zone, the women-owned business. uh, There's no vehicle for them, specifically for agencies to reach those companies. And I think that's a key point. Align to small business, while a lot of people put a lot of time, a lot of money, there's a lot of frustration that GSA decided to pull the plug, that that vehicle is not filling those holes, as she talked about. So in one sense, good for GSA to take a step back and say, hey, where are the holes in the market let's fill it because there are other avenues to reach small businesses through GSA contracts and other uh, like NITAC and NASA Soup. But at the same time, I know there's a a ton of frustration because GSA pulled the plug because this was a four-year effort. And as some people said to me, "What's the? have you ever calculated the cost of what it took to bid on a line to small business? I said I hadn't. And they said, well, just figure... $100,000 Hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand dollars per company over a hundred companies. It's a lot of money
0: wasted. Aaron, what's your take from what uh, Emily described about what she sees coming in uh, the Gwac landscape?
1: I think uh, Jason's spot on with all that. I think the other half of that conversation too is what this is going to mean for GSA, uh, because they are a business, right? They that agency that uh, runs based on the money they get from other customer agencies using DWACs like a lion. So, without this small business DWAC, are they going to get enough business to sustain some of the things they've been working on? In and the I, same vein, uh, I am very interested to see what that new framework is going to look like. As they're looking to read through the entire small business GWAC landscape. Is that going to mean a separate DWAC for HubZone, a separate DWAC for known small businesses? Or are they going to try to wrap those into a uh, alliance that they had planned or
0: Aaron, you're nailing the, the, the most important point there, which is that GSA is a business. Jason referred to options that are available through NASA Soup and NITAC, but that doesn't do GSA's bottom line any good as they're trying to build a, a, a business framework. What do you think, Aaron, are the most important things that your sources are telling you about what they want GSA to do next and how they want GSA to do it?
1: Mostly they just want GSA to be loud, public, and very descriptive about what they're going to do and then stick to it through to the end. Uh, I don't think that a they didn't stick to it, right? They, they tried to do a thing and it, it seems to have fallen apart, so they decided to cut rope and try something a little different. But uh, I think industry would have been more willing to come along with that and not quite as angry as they are right now if they had heard more about what was going on along the way and had more involvement in, in some of the decisions going on, even if they can't make the decisions they feel
0: like they're in the loop a little more. So they're not throwing good money after bad on, on some of these pitch. Jason, uh, Stars 2, uh, the ceiling uh, lifted on Stars 2 a couple of days before we learned about Alliant 2 going away. Stars 3 RFPs on the street now. Um, what, what is GSA doing right with Stars that maybe it missed the mark on, on Alliant so that it could uh, prevent itself from making the same mistakes?
3: stars 2 has been a wildly successful contract it hit the ceiling it had to raise it but i have to be honest francis it was a little bit of a surprise when i learned and i think a lot of small business learned that gsa ended up limiting the period of performance under the stars 2 ceiling so for instance if an agency made an award after july 1st that period of performance could only go through june 30th of 2022 the entire contract goes through 2024 and that was a big surprise so uh, While well, what they're doing right under stars two, moving to stars three, one thing they didn't do right was limiting that period of performance during the ceiling because it frustrated a lot of agencies and it frustrated a lot of, of vendors who are expecting the ceiling to to last. Now, what I'm being told uh, is that this was actually the Small Business Administration's decision or they strongly encouraged the limited period of performance because 8A firms tend to graduate out of the program. They tend to get too big. And they don't want those eight-day contracts to be held only by those firms that are no longer in the program. They want to have those contracts go back into that eight-day program because that pod of contracts tends to
0: be limited or, or finite. All right. Um, we have about two minutes left. So I want to ask each of you: what do you expect to see happen in the coming weeks, months, maybe year? And what kind of timeline do you expect to see it on? Aaron, you first.
1: Well, I think, uh, per uh, what Administrator Murphy said, they're going to be holding at least one industry day. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a few before we get to a, an RFP on alliance to small business. I also wouldn't be surprised if we don't see an alliance 2 small business contract. Very well may. But I would not be all that surprised if it got turned into something a little different. Again, like I said, maybe a separate women-owned small business contract, maybe a separate uh, um, one for, for hub zones like they've done with vets and, and uh It'll be interesting to see how all that evolves, what that ecosystem that they're trying to build is gonna look like. Uh, but I don't think it's gonna look like you have seeing right now.
0: Jason, what do you see coming?
3: I certainly hope GSA learned some of those lessons from these challenging contracts that they've had over the last few months. And I'll incorporate the stars two ceiling raise. I'll include incorporate something that we haven't talked about, which is the 2GIT. That's turning into a big challenge. The DOs contract is turning into a big challenge. What I hope GSA really does and learns is the competition has to happen at the task order level. It cannot happen at the contract level. I would, I would definitely emphasize the need to bring in, let everyone on who's qualified. Don't put this, put the lowest you know, floor possible, the lowest ceiling possible, and let the competition happen at the task order level. I know Administrator Murphy and others at GSA are tired of me saying this, but really that is the solution. So we don't have these aligned two small businesses debacles.
0: Jason, Aaron, thanks both very much for joining me. It's great to have you on today. Thank you. Don't forget, if you missed an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv, and you get a preview of every newscast by signing up for our daily program guide. You just text GOVMATTERS to the number 22828. I'm back in two minutes.